Well, if you will, turn in the Scriptures to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, you were treated to a wonderful message this morning on the, the wonderful subject, the wonderful reality of grace, of unmerited favor that has been bestowed upon all believers in Jesus Christ, all of God's children, undeserved blessing, undeserved favor. And that is really what the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesians is all about. It's all about the spiritual blessings of the believer. Um, you know, Paul would start in verse 3 of, of the letter in what Brother Jimmy Barber would call an, an oratorio of praise. He would start it by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then Paul, like a machine gun, goes on for about ten verses without stopping to, to take a breath before there's a, a period on just the innumerable, inestimable blessings that you have, believer in Jesus Christ, that you have been chosen by the God of all eternity in Christ. You have been chosen by God the Father in Christ. You've been chosen to adoption. So this God, this great triune God, you, believer, can call this God Father. You can call Him Father. You can call Him Abba, Father. So we have all of these spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. This grace, this grace, grace, and more grace. And so, I actually quoted Brother Zach uh, today in in my message this morning. Then I, I saw that he said the same thing. This grace, these doctrines, properly taught and properly understood, will not make us lazy. They will not make us lazy. And so, the last half of Ephesians, the back half of Ephesians, is now the Christian's duty, the Christian's walk. What is because of these realities, because of these spiritual blessings in Christ that have been given to all of God's children, now what? Now, what is our duty? How are we to live? How are we to walk? And so this is where I want to, to focus today. I'll title the message, The Christian Walk. The Christian Walk. And I'll read Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Praise God for His Word, His inspired, inerrant Word. So, we of all, everybody here has some sort of vocation or calling. We have a lawyer here. We have, we have a, a, a uh, whatever John is now. <laughs> Uh, we have a minister of the gospel. We have, a, we have homemakers. We have IT, uh, not nerds, uh, professionals, <laughs> IT professionals. We have, we have warehouse workers, logistic people. Um, we have also pickup and delivery managers. We have all sorts of different vocations, different callings that we have in life. Yet, for a believer in Jesus Christ, we are all unified by one calling, and that is the calling of the Christian. That is a calling Christian simply means, brothers and sisters, kids, 
Christian means follower of Christ. That is what a Christian is. And so this is what binds us together. We have a calling as a Christian to live in this way and what Paul tells us. This calling that we have been called to is, it is what is called an effectual calling. God calls you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is a calling that we know that we could not get on our own because we are by nature damned. We are by nature dead in sins. We are dead in trespasses and sins. And so this calling, is a, is, this is a, a divine calling. You're saved uh, by a holy calling that uh, Paul would say. So this calling is effectual that we are called to as Christians. You know, I love how Paul opens this. He considers himself a prisoner of the Lord, somebody who is bound and captive by the Lord. Now, Paul actually was in prison when he wrote this letter. This is what is known as one of the prison epistles, along with Colossians and Philippians and Philemon, I believe, uh, are known as the prison epistles. Paul is writing this letter to, yes, the saints at Ephesus and to probably other local congregations there at that time as well. But as we know, the Bible is alive today. It is the living Word of God. So this letter from thousands of years ago is actually to Grace Chapel Primitive Baptist Church in October of 2023 today. So he is a, he is a prisoner of the Lord. Naturally, he was in prison. But also, I love this though, that, that he is also, he who once was a hater of Christians and a persecutor of Christians is now, he who used to hold Christians captive is now held captive by Jesus Christ. This is the Paul that is writing. And this is something that he is beseeching the saints to. He is, I'm imploring you. I'm, and it's, I'm begging you. I'm exhorting you to this. This is not just, well, you, you really ought to consider this. Maybe live, live this way. No, no, no. I'm beseeching you to live in this way. And what is the way? What is the Christian walk? What is the Christian's calling? As a church of the Lord Jesus Christ and as individual Christians, what is this calling? Well, he says it in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So the Christian walk is a walk that is encompassed. It is rooted and founded in humility, in humility, really, these long-suffering, meekness, long su- uh, uh, meekness, lowliness, forbearing one another in love—they're really all very close words, close meanings with humility. They encompass, they define humility. One man said that he considers humility to be the foundational Christian virtue. And you know, it is good to be reminded. We need to be reminded that God really does hate pride. And God loves humility. God resists the proud, James would say. That means He turns His back on the proud. You ever struggle with pride? Yes. Do we struggle with pride? Thinking too highly of ourselves? Just thinking of ourselves too much? God resists the proud, but He gives, what's the word? Grace to the humble. And so that is the foundational, this is, this is what encompasses the Christian walk, is one that is found, founded in humility. And for a church, this letter was written to a local church. So for Grace Chapel Church to be a prospering church, to be a, a, a 
church that is, is growing and healthy, we must be a group of believers, a body of Christ, different members uh, making up this body of Christ that are pursuing sincere, sincerely pursuing humility. We must be pursuing humility. Think of the one another passages in Scripture. I know I've, I've touched on before. There are at least 59 one another commands in Scripture. Forbear one another. Forgive one another. Comfort one another. Sometimes we have to rebuke one another. Provoke one another to love and good works. To be a flourishing, a truly a healthy church, we need to be pursuing this type of humility. Esteeming one another better than ourselves. So, what does he say? He gets, he gets specific with this humility. He says, with all lowliness. This is, what I, this is what I'm beseeching you to walk after. This is how you were supposed to live, Christian, in Ephesus and Christian here at Grace Chapel. With all lowliness. It simply, it simply means modesty. It, this is not self-deprecation. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. I, this is not self-hate. This is just simply having an honest opinion of yourself. This is, this is simply realizing, I'm a sinner. I'm capable of being wrong. And I know, and it's really, it's really in, a, in a sense, comparing myself to Jesus Christ. Well, if we're all honest, we must be lowly in mind, lowly in heart. And again, God loves this person. Peter would, would tell the saints to, who he's, to whom he is writing, those scattered saints in First Peter, to be clothed with humility. Put on the clothes of humility. Take off those nasty rags of pride and put on the clean, pure clothes of humility. The humble man, the lowly man, is gonna, again, he's going to prefer others over self. Paul would tell that to the Roman saints in Romans chapter 12. And again, um, this exhortation to, to the Christian walk in Romans chapter 12, Paul would say in Romans 12 verse 9, he would say, let love be without dissimulation. Dissimulation just simply means without hypocrisy. Let your love be sincere and genuine. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. By the way, kids, listen to me. This is what I'm praying for you every day. I'm praying that our children, all of us, would abhor what's evil and cleave to what's good. Just know, you're being prayed for. Um, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Listen to this. In honor, this is countercultural, in honor, preferring one another. That means to show deference to one another. It means to, to lead the way for others. That is being lowly in heart. And yes, this is countercultural. This is against our nature, our depraved nature. But I hope this whole the whole Bible points us to Jesus Christ. But that's my purpose for this message, and I hope every sermon I'll ever be able to preach is to point you to Jesus Christ. And so, who is the who who is the one who is the prime example? Turn to Philippians chapter two. We're talking about what is what is the Christian walk. What are, we, what are we to be pursuing? We're to be pursuing humility. And, and here, the word that Paul uses is lowliness. Lowliness. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul writes, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Oh, this, this, could, be a, 
this would be a good prayer for our church and our families, our marriages. This verse right here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. This is the God-man. This is the triune God who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. We're talking about God again, y'all. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus is equal to God. That's what he's saying here. He is God. But he didn't count this equality with God as something that he was going to just hold on to. He was willing to, to lower himself, to make himself of no reputation, to humble himself, to take on the form of a servant. Lowly. Lowly. Meek and lowly. That's what Jesus became. Still God, yet became the Son of Man humiliated, willingly. That is our standard. That is who who we are to emulate. Paul would say lowliness and then meekness. You know, I've probably heard, of course, meekness is not weakness. No, meekness is... It's really self-control. I've heard one definition for meekness is like a wild horse that has been broken. Like a wild horse and you have to tame that wild animal. It's a wild animal that's been tamed. Well, we are by nature wild animals, you could say. We are wild. We are children of disobedience. Just read the Ephesians 2 part before he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Or, or before he says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. We are children of disobedience. We are uh, walking according to the prince of the power of the air. But no, the one who has been made meek, the one who has been called with His holy calling by the Holy Spirit, the one who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Christian, who is one who is self-controlled, who is meek. Again, who do we look to? And if, if you have a Bible, I want you as... The esteemed theologian Zach Guest would say, put your eyeballs on the page. Matthew chapter 11. Because I know we know this, and so this could just, oh, I know that one, and rolls in one ear and out the other. But listen to this. This is, this is Jesus talking here. This is Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 11. Lowliness. Meekness. In verse 29. He would say, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen to this. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. This is Jesus describing Himself. This is what the Christian is to strive after, to walk after. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
So really, the Christian walk is really pursuing Christ. We say pursue humility, pursue lowliness, meekness. Well, who is, who is our example? It's really pursuing Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 5, in the, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I believe I was talking about the new heavens and the new earth. That's, a, that's a, a sure evidence that you're a child of God, that you've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ if we're pursuing a life of meekness, of self-control. You know, that means... Because let's, let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. We are um, sinners. And we will... Uh, we, we are sinners and we will sin. And we will sin against each other. And so this means that we need to be a wild horse that's been broken even when we've been wronged. Maybe somebody has offended us and, uh, and maybe we really are right and they really are wrong, but yet, yet we still are to show meekness, to show self-control instead of pushing back really hard. I'm not saying that things don't need to be worked out, of course, but in a meek and lowly way. Well, then he says, in, in back in Ephesians chapter 4, in this exhortation, this is what Paul is beseeching us to, brothers and sisters in Christ, to walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. With long-suffering. We need to be long in our suffering of each other. We need to be slow in avenging wrongs. We need to be tolerant of each other. Now, when we hear the word tolerant, of course, that needs to be rightly understood because tolerance today is, is a big word and a big um, push. But, of course, it's, it's because the world wants us to tolerate sin. We cannot be tolerant of sin. But what we can be tolerant of is, again, if, if we have been wronged, or if there's a, a difference of opinion that's not a, not a gospel issue, we must, as Christians, bear with one another as we'll get to. Be long-suffering with one another. And yes, we'll be tested in this. We'll be tested in this because those who have been saved by Jesus Christ, who have been called out and saved and bought and paid for, who have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light and been transformed by Jesus Christ, well, we still have a sin nature and we still are all works in progress, aren't we? We are still work in progress and we will be tested. All of this will be tested. But, again, we look to Christ. He is described in Romans 2 as having, it talks about, described of God, the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. So emulate Christ. That is the Christian walk, is to emulate Christ specifically in humility. He would go on to say, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing. That really means to put up with. Sometimes we have to put up, we get to put up with each other. What is, what is Paul saying in Galatians? Uh, Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, when you think of bearing something, you're bearing something. Let's say Davis was dunking on somebody on the basketball court and he twists his ankle. 
when he can't walk anymore, that he needs, he needs a guy or maybe two, two guys on either side of him bearing him up and helping him walk to get to, to where he can get some help. That has the idea. We need to be able to pick up each other. We all are going to have weak moments. We all are going to have tragedy and trial that come into our lives. We have to be there for one another. That is the calling of the Christian, to forbear, to hold up, to bear with, to minister to each other. You know, you are all ministers. You are all, in a sense, ministers of the gospel. The word minister is a servant. We are all servants. Now, some obviously have different, different roles. We have different roles in that, but we are all ministers, and we are called to minister to each other. That is our calling as a Christian. So what is, what is Paul saying here? Again, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I'm imploring you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness, meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Now what is this pointing to? What is Paul, what is Paul desire to see these believers walking in? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul wants to see unity or oneness. Oneness. Now, there could be, there, there, there's, there's unity in a lot of ways, even today in this world. I mean, there had to be some unity, some oneness in planning this attack that happened a couple of weeks ago. There had to be some real unity there. But of course, it was unity around some great evil. Well, this is a different kind of unity that Paul is talking about here. This is a different kind of oneness. And you know, this would have been especially relevant during this time that Paul is writing, during the time that, that, that there was a great long-standing prejudices between Jews and Gentiles, and, and, and some Jews thought to be a real believer, one must be physically circumcised. Yet, through Christ's grace-filled, grace, grace, and more grace-filled sacrifice, He has torn those walls away. And he does. He has a people in every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue. Yes, Jesus Christ has made peace by the blood of the cross. It would say in Colossians, and he would touch on that in Ephesians chapter two as well. He destroys those barriers, and all believers, but in a special way as well. This local congregation, Grace Chapel, we are one in Jesus Christ. May we remember this and walk in this. And you know, this, the source, the purpose, the end of this, of this unity, of course, it is Jesus Christ. It is the unity of the Spirit. Those who have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You know, he's not here tonight, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick on him. My brother JJ, you know, he, we, we have a good time. He travels with me sometimes when I go to, to different churches when it's a, a long way away and, and Savannah is not able to come with me. And so we have gotten pretty close. And it's, it's funny to me that I think about, you know, as far as hobbies and interests and, and all of that, you probably couldn't find two more opposite people. I mean, this man is, is smart as a whip. He... 
you know, he and, and Brother Jarrett, when he was like 10 or 11, were, got in the little business of like rebuilding cell phones and, and, and selling them and things like that. And of course, he's programming computers and doing all this, this sorts of thing. And when I get to talking about the Memphis Tigers, he just, his head's like, uh, you know, wake me up when you're done, you know. <laughs> but you know what? He is one of my best friends. There's only one explanation for that. The unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, made one in Christ. So it doesn't matter who your favorite team is or, or, or what different fashion sense you have or, or your, your hobbies or interests. Of course, we need to, we need to get in each other's lives and, and, uh, and maybe I can learn how to program a computer with him to, to show interest. But you know the point. It, it, that doesn't matter. What binds us together, what holds us together is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, for this grace that has been just boundlessly bestowed upon us. That is, what, that is where our oneness, our unity is found, Grace Chapel. This is what's going to hold Grace Chapel together, is the truths found in His Word. Not our different likes and dislikes and opinions here and there. And, and Paul would say, Paul would go on to say about this oneness. This is something working, this is something worth working for. He says this is something we are to be endeavoring to keep, endeavoring to guard this unity of the Spirit. What does that word endeavoring mean? It literally means it means to make every effort. So to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we're making every effort, Tell you what, that's going to take a lot of our time, right? What, what is he saying here? Devote yourself to the kingdom. Devote yourself to this. This is, this is your life. This is what our lives are to be about. This is the Christian walk. He also, the, the word endeavoring also has a sense of, of to hasten after. To, 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 it says to, to use speed. So it has the sense of this isn't something that we just, well, I'll get around to that. No, no, no. This isn't something that, that we can put off and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that eventually. That's on my list to, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. No, no, no. This is first priority. This is preeminent. All the other stuff, you know, the, all the other, maybe the, a project that you have or whatever, that, that goes on in a sense, the back burner. This is what's most important. This is what we need to be endeavoring after. Speed up, hasten after this. This is most important. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. John Gill would say that this unity is worth taking some pains about. This is worth taking some pains about. And yes, it will be difficult at times because again, we are sinners. We are sinners, saved by, 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 by grace, but still sinners. And so we would be tested. That's why he says, he, it's there. The unity's there. The oneness in Christ is there. This is something that we are endeavoring to keep, to guard this unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'll go back to Philippians, where Paul would say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, this is what Paul This is his desire for the Philippian saints. Verse 27, he says, Only let your conversation, your way of life, your walk, your walk, the Christian walk, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, 
that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, listen, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, endeavoring together for the faith of the gospel. That's the goal. That that is what we are to be striving after. Paul would also say in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. I'll I'll read verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, here it is, fulfill ye my joy, Paul says, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That is what we are to be pursuing. You know, we are all many members, but we make up one body. Different gifts, maybe different weaknesses, but we make up one body united in Jesus Christ. And then there are Christians and believers all across the world. Different socioeconomic statuses and different ages. I've I've loved the the message Wednesday night on the elderly. Different stages of life. Yet, yet, one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one Lord, the Kyrios, the Supreme, the supreme being, the supreme ruler is what holds us together, Grace Chapel. One faith. This is just the body, of, the body of, of work that we have found in God's Word. One baptism that we as believers have been baptized to. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all. I hope we're exhorted and, and rebuked if we need to be rebuked, but also encouraged that what, we, that what we are involved in, that what we are engaged in is not just another group, not just another uh, organization or club. We are members of the church of the living God that Jesus Christ has invested His own blood in, it would say in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, I believe, to the Ephesian elders. God has His own blood invested in you, Grace Chapel. And so he would say, endeavor after this unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This bond, like we have ligaments in our bodies, that's, it's, it's a connective tissue that connects our bones, these ligaments. They bind our bones together, you could say. This is what this bond is, this unity. This is what connects us together. This is what... This is what holds us together. And this is what will keep the peace and give peace in this congregation. It's when we are pursuing this with humility, with lowliness, with meekness, with long-suffering, with forbearing one another, and striving after, hastening after, making every effort to keep, to guard this unity of the Spirit. And we, being many members, are one body 
We have one Lord who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He reigns and rules today, and He is coming back one day. And so we live with joy. We live as triumphant in Jesus Christ, even, even as we strive for this and endeavor to keep this. This is the Christian walk. This is, again, countercultural. This is antithetical to what the world will tell you. What are you talking about lowliness of mind and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love? What? What is that? So it's counter-cultural. But this is the walk of the victorious right here. I'll leave you with this from the hymn writer, Joseph Swain. You know this well. <clears throat> how sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and thus fulfill His word. When each can feel his brother's sigh, oh man, can we feel our brother's, our sister's sigh and with him bear a part when sorrow flows from eye to eye and joy from heart to heart. When free from envy, scorn and pride our wishes all above, each can his brother's failings hide and show a brother's love. When love in one delightful stream through every bosom flows and union sweet and dear esteem, fond esteem, I think it says in our book, in every action glows. Love is the golden chain that binds, connects that tissue, the happy souls above And he is an heir of heaven who finds his bosom glow with love. That's the Christian walk. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace, your free, unmerited favor that you bestow upon worthless worms by nature. Sinners, those who have transgressed against you. Those who are we're like wild horses causing chaos, but yet you bind our hearts. You call us with a holy calling and you call us to something greater. Lord, you have um, made us, it says in Ephesians 2, unto good works. You've created us unto good works. Lord, bless us as those who have been touched by Your grace. May we pursue this Christian walk. May we all cultivate hearts of of humility, of esteeming each other, of lowliness of mind, of meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And all the while, how do we do that, Lord? May we look to Christ. May we look to emulate Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, would You call them? Would You bind them? Would you penetrate their heart? Write your law on their hearts. Lord, please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen.